Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. March 22nd, Jaguars podcast, Philip Heilman. Ryan O'Halloran. And Facebook Live, welcome to all the viewers who are watching this uh, Thursday afternoon, and uh, to those who listen to it later. Boys the pigs, ever the guinea. There uh, we go. <laughs> this is our word. Uh, they demand, we acquiesce, uh, so we're trying to simulcast, watching live on Facebook. We're taping a podcast, which will be the same material. Um if it works, great. If not, we'll go back to the drawing board. But this is Jaguars territory. There we go. Exactly. Busy week. Busy week for the Jaguars. Uh, where to even begin? Mercedes Lewis, gone. Alan Hearns, gone. Uh, two decisions that, you know, probably not really all that controversial, not all that surprising. But there was a lot of backlash to the Mercedes Lewis move, yeah. which I don't really personally understand why the Jaguars are getting any flack for that. It's a business. This was a business decision. What's uh, your take? I want to give them some flack. Okay. Uh, the Hearns part wasn't surprising. It was just a matter of time. Um, there was no reason for them to offer him a pay cut, which I'm told they did not uh, because he was going to be their fifth receiver. Wait, I thought they did. I thought he said they did. He said they did. Um, you know, yesterday's Times Union, I have a pretty reliable source who said they did. And really, there was no reason to offer him a pay cut because uh, right now he's a fifth receiver, maybe a sixth receiver. If he stayed, he might not have been active on game day. So that was just a matter of time. I did get a kick out of her saying he's got like 10 teams interested. Let's see how many visits he takes. If there was 10 teams, one of those teams would have said, hey, we'll give you a seventh rounder. We just want to get him in the building, rework right. his deal, et cetera. One I, of those teams, the Cowboys, just signed Deontay Thompson today, so that kind of takes one suitor out. One suitor out, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure Rosenhaus is trying to you know, drum up a market, and he's got his national media guys trying to help him out there. The Lewis thing um, was surprising because of the option. Uh, this organization, um, since Shai Kambata team, has you know, it's treated their, their, their veterans pretty well. I mean, it's never going to be clean. It's usually going to be unceremonious. Here's my take. Um if they would have declined the option on Lewis, um, he would have become a free agent. They probably are convinced that he wouldn't have been a first wave of free agency guy. Okay, then you could have circled back. Once you got a feeling that of who was and wasn't going to sign, then you circle back to Lewis. So there's no hard feelings. And the fact that you cut him so quickly doesn't mean he was really in your plans. Right. I mean, Austin Safarian Jenkins, did that really change the whole Mercedes Lewis thing? So, um, I, you know, Mercedes was emotional. Um, Which I think he deserved he des- to be. He deserved to vent. He deserved to vent. I was more than glad to type it out. Uh, but, uh, you know, time heals these things. Uh, hopefully he will find a, a home. Here's my rub on Lewis uh, from the Jaguar standpoint is, yes, he might not have gotten first wave money, but he would have been able to maybe pick his new home a little bit better. Uh, now he's like the sloppy seconds or you know terrible thirds, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, a Jaguar fan might say, well, you know, that's not, that's not their job to help him. Well, 
it sort of is uh, when you're given that much time of service. You know, it'd be easy to write the, the column saying, well, this is business in the NFL. Well, I'll take the other side saying, hey, uh, this is, you know, rarely does something happen clean. And, you know, maybe Lewis did deserve better. I think he did. It, well, why don't you go ahead and retweet to uh, the people who are on Twitter now to want to watch live. But did you I, tweet it out? I did tweet it out. I tweeted it out with a link. So the people are chiming in. They are coming in waves and droves. Uh, lots of people joining. There it um, is. But yeah, particularly with the Mercedes Lewis, the thing that it just is, it stands in such contrast to how well they handled the Palpas Lesney thing just only a week before. Yeah. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, Mercedes Lewis did more for the franchise than Palpas Lesney. Well, that's, you know, that's apples and oranges. Right. There. Yeah. But sort of it just, I, a lot of people were upset that, you know, you did such a good, but it's, it, to me, it's different. You've got one guy who is retiring, going out on his own terms, one guy who, you know, you're moving on from. Yeah. It's, in 2013, they made a decision on Rasheen Mathis that mm. they had, they told the Times Union, uh, we are not going to re-sign him. Mm. They did it ahead of free agency, um, and I thought maybe that's the route they should have taken. They had not signed any corners. Right. They had not signed the incomparable uh, Allen Ball yet. So, <laughs> you know, different times, uh, different strategies of handling this. But um, are questions coming in? Yeah, the first one, which it seems like we keep getting – who are they going to draft? Yeah, who? Who? When is the draft? When are they? Gonna, no, but uh, are the Jaguars looking at any linebackers? I think that kind of goes back to you know Paul Puzlesny retiring. Well, uh, interesting. They probably saw that uh, was that uh, Chad Reader did like a five round mock yesterday, and he yeah. had them taking like two linebackers in the first three rounds. Here's the thing: two things. Um, we can tighten this for you if you want. Yeah, I'm trying to get down. I have the same problem at 10 10. I have the same problem at 10 10. I'm just too tall. Um, two things with the middle linebacker spot. One is what do you do with Miles Jack? If you move him to middle linebacker, that means you are probably going to give Blair Brown a strong side linebacker chance, and also you can draft one later on because um, you, you want to see what you have in Brown. Secondly, okay, let's say you leave Miles Jack at strong side linebacker. Okay, now you're looking for a starting middle linebacker, but only plays 30% of the snaps because you're going to stick with Telvin and Miles. That pushes them down the draft needs. If you're, yeah. you're not going to draft a linebacker in the first or second round and say you're going to come off the field in nickel situations. So I would not be surprised if they addressed it, but I w- would expect them that if they do, it would be in day three of the draft. A name that I think has gotten you know, sort of a lot of attention over the last couple of weeks in terms of what is his role going to be. Corey Grant signed his tender today. It's a so, lot of money for a kick returner. Yeah, so uh, what does that, I mean, what does that even mean? What is it? It's, it's more than $2 million. 2.9. $2.9 million yeah. for a guy who is certainly behind Leonard Fournette on the pecking order at running back. Not going to be your third down running back because he doesn't pass block well enough, particularly compared to TJ Yeldon. Mm-hmm. So are you paying, you know, the $3 million for a special teamer? Um... Partly. Uh, my guess on Grant, and maybe we get this firmed up next week in Orlando, is that they tendered him at $2.9 million because they feel he's going to play a bigger role in this offense. You, mm-hmm. you, you release Chris Ivory. I would go with three tailbacks on the 53. There was no reason to go with four last year. That's why I had Corey Grant not making it in the opening day roster because four tailbacks just doesn't happen in this league, right. especially when you carry a fullback. So you go with Fournette is your horse, T.J. Yeldon is your third down, and maybe some first and second down work, and then also uh, Grant. The challenge is 
is it a gimmick or a gadget, or can he be a real part of this offense? Right. I mean, he's not short yardage. No. Uh, but he's a valuable special teamer, his kick returner, and punt, punt coverage. But you come up with a, a package of plays for him each week. Also, keeping in mind that defenses are going to start to plan for him, knowing that when he's on the field, it's going to be an alert, and he's probably going to get the ball. Yeah, that's sort of the thing is, like, you can – you can spend almost an entire season or entire playoff run putting in five or six plays for Corey Grant to surprise New England in the AFC title game. But can you do it week after week where you find different ways to use them in week one, week three, week seven, week nine? I mean, that's a, that seems like a yeah. ton of work for a guy who's not one of your – well, geez, with no Allen Robinson, he might be one of your three most talented offensive players. But he's not going to be used like one of your three most talented offensive players. Because the thing with Corey, and I'm sure they, they – you know, I'm sure they talk about this internally is – He's one of those guys where the more he ends up touching it, the less effective he'll probably be. Right. Um, but so Law of diminishing returns. Yeah, so you um, so you come up with something. What you got to do is you ca- you got to find ways to get him on the field where he's not getting the football. To me, yeah. that's when he's on the field at the same time as Leonard Fournette. They had Pat- Patriots scrambling because yeah. they hadn't shown that on tape. Okay, during the course of a 16-game season, you can't just save it for week nine. Right. You got to use him and get him part of this offense. So, if if you were them, would you um, would you consider tailback in day three or undrafted free agency with the plan of carrying four again? I'm kind of with you. I don't think carrying four running backs is good roster construction unless that guy can come in and play a lot of special teams for you. If he's a guy who can be a you know, a gunner in punt coverage or can be on a kickoff team, then maybe it makes a little bit more sense. I would probably tend to lead more toward the undrafted route just because I think, you know, when it's offensive line, tight end, linebacker, you know, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback there's still a lot of other pressing needs that I think uh, the Jaguars should address before getting to a running back. But, I mean, if you're sitting there in like the third round and Rashad Penny's there, I would be interested. I'd love that guy. I mean, he's an interesting guy. But then Corey Grant almost becomes redundant. It's sort of yeah. why did you even bother? That's, that was going to be my follow-up is if you're going to bring another tailback in, I think you got to have him run the same kind of stuff Fournette does. Right. So when if Leonard misses a game with a turned ankle, which is entirely possible because that's what's happened to him, is you don't have to change your run scheme to fit a guy who's a totally different back. So I think they would go like late round or undrafted more of a bruiser, uh, a pounder, uh, that if Fournette gets dinged, uh, you can have TJ Yeldon be a starter type player and then have this guy, uh, you know, relieve him on the field, you know, first and second down work. So, so a guy like Nick Chubb, carry on Johnson, carry on Johnson is another, uh, we have a trade. The Jaguars have traded from 29 to 2 to take Saquon Barkley. <laughs> this is our new thunder and lightning, Tom Coughlin said after the press conference. <laughs> oh, we really do amuse ourselves. Uh, but there certainly are some running backs out there. Uh, Jalen Samuels, I think, is a big guy. Um, trying to think of a couple other ones. Royce Freeman from Oregon, a guy who uh, Willie Taggart mentioned on Tuesday when we were down there for Florida State's Pro Day is a guy who yeah. kind of reminded him of some of what Cam Akers can do. But, yeah, that, that's sort of my thing is I wouldn't uh, bother with a running back. Uh, a couple more questions. Ah, oh, an O'Halloran in the comments. And it's a Thomas. So oh, hey, thanks, Dad. Playoff contenders. That's all he wants to know. Just give him some. Uh, or are the Jaguars one? Well, I think they are a playoff contender. but Certainly. Um, 
but also I could see them taking a step back and going eight and eight and not missing the playoffs and being banged up with injuries and their depth being tested, their quarterback getting figured out, their receivers not making plays. It, defense, it seems like a team that could yeah. start the season like two and four and you look up and it's like, how did this happen? They yeah. have they played pretty well, but they like sort of lose the lead late a couple of times and it's like you know, suddenly it starts to feel like the wheels are coming off and they have to play themselves back into shape a little bit. I mean, I could kind of see that. I still think they will make the playoffs. But, well, uh, that's going to be a challenge for Doug Rowan is how do you handle this training camp? Yeah. Um, you know, this team ran out of gas, but it was one of those things where he was trying to push them to the edge of the cliff and make sure they don't jump. Do they need to be pushed to the edge of that cliff again? I get that every team starts over, everybody's square one, blah, 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 blah. But... Um, are you playing with a longer view now? You got to get this team ready for 19 games. I think that may be um, a consideration, Doug. Just want to get a quick question here from Brooklyn Jag. Um, this was filed this morning to us on Twitter. Uh, do you expect the Jags to make any moves before the draft? Yes, but I don't think it's going to be big money. Um, I was told this week nothing cooking on the backup quarterback front. Uh, shocking to me. It is. It is interesting. Um, because I don't think a team with Super Bowl or aspirations and legitimate playoff aspirations wants a rookie to be one snap away, particularly when it's not one of the rookies who are at the top of the draft and who may be ready-made more than others. Uh, my guess is they will sign a backup quarterback, a veteran guy, maybe after the draft. But also when they start throwing the ball around this offseason program, which starts April 16th and they're on the field like a week or two later, you need another arm. So... Maybe they you know draft one, sign on drafted one, but uh, thank you. Who would you even sign? I mean, yeah. Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean like Matt Moore. Matt Moore is still Colin out there. Colin Kaepernick. No. <laughs> but hey, maybe I'm territorial on that decision. Maybe. But, mean, but no, no Kaepernick. I will say, I'll, I'll say, you're the hardest working man in beat business. Thanks, Phil. That's why I drove to Tallahassee with instead of uh, riding in your car. The yeah. other day. Comments like that. Um, well, that was a long day. Uh, Mark Sanchez, Blaine Gabbert, the return of baby Blaine. That would be awesome. Uh, I saw he visited Tennessee the other Drew day. Drew Stanton. Yeah. Ryan Mallett. I mean, the list it, of backup quarterbacks is – I mean, they that's, that's, that's how Chad Henning stayed here for so yeah. long. Is that you just don't have a lot of – I and mean, their backups yeah. for a reason. They're guys who don't have a starting job for a reason. I mean, they basically declared is they're not going to sink a lot of finances into it, right. which means they didn't want to pay somebody, what, three, three and a half like they had with Henny the last couple of years. So they're yeah. – making a budget decision there but um i think you, i think they should draft one and i think they should uh, sign a veteran have three quarterbacks going into this uh training camp here's a question you always like put a percentage on the chances of the jaguars taking a quarterback in the first round um 17.4 17.4 i'll take the over okay uh what's your reason why would you take one i would take one because I don't feel like Blake Bortles is a long-term answer here at quarterback still. I think uh, even after some progress last season, he's still a guy that with the contract they sign him to, they can move on as early as after next season. So if you have a guy like uh, you know Mason Rudolph who you like and is there, I would go ahead and pull the trigger. That I mean, I'm not saying – I wouldn't yeah, put yeah, it at like 85, yeah. but I would put it at like 30%. 30. So I'll go – what, I went 17.4. I would go like 30.8. Here's why I think uh, no quarterback at 29 – I don't think there's going to be one there worth taking at 29. That'll because, be interesting. Because yeah. at, at, I think at minimum, you're talking three quarterbacks in the top four picks. I think it could be as many as five in the top, like, 16. Yeah, that's, where, that's, that's where I was getting is 
The Giants traded JPP today. Yeah. Uh, to me, that means they're in Bradley Chubb, which mm-hmm. means they can trade down to four or five. Right. Okay. The Broncos, they trade up. The Bills, they trade up. So let's say quarterbacks go one, one three, four. One. Yeah. Three uh, to the Jets. Four. Uh, who's second? Giants. The Giants. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying if they if they were to take if they were to trade back or take Chubb. But let's say four go in the top ten. Mayfield goes in the top ten. The Jaguars are not – that means a team who needs a quarterback is going to trade up into the top 15 like they did last year with Mahomes and I think you're seeing Watson. teams position themselves for that. Yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo has picks 12 and 22, and you could easily see that package plus a couple of other picks to move up to two. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you look at New England, they got uh, 31 and 38. Yeah. From the, I think they could be a consideration to maybe trade up to 22, 23. Yeah. And that may be still too late, so – I think the Jaguars, they've not made a first-round trade since Dave Caldwell was hired in 13. Um, I think where they are more likely to make a move or two is moving up in the second round mm. or moving up in the third round. Um, so I, I, the reason I put a low percentage at quarterback at 29 is I just don't think the board is going to fall from that way because by quarterbacks going that high in the top 10, it means the second wave. I'm putting Mayfield in the second wave. I don't think he. I think he's in a different category than th- than the top three: Darnold, Rose, and Allen. Um, okay. Mayfield's going to get drafted higher than he should. Rudolph's going to get drafted higher than he should. Lamar Jackson. There could be six in the top twenty. That's the thing. You've got the Browns at one and four. The Giants still at two. The Jets for sure at three. Mm-hmm. The Broncos signed Case Keenum, but he, uh, Elway, pretty much already came out and said that those, they're still interested in a quarterback at five. Uh, you've got the Dolphins at eleven, who need one. The Bills at twelve and twenty-two. Uh, Arizona at fifteen, I mean, and that's that. Arizona is a trade-up consideration, yeah. I think, um, because uh, they they got Sam Bradford basically on a one-year deal, An expensive they, one-year deal. Yeah. I wish someone would sign me to a one-year deal. Like Twenty that. million dollars. The Cardinals Jeez. need to start thinking about the future. You know, yeah, you want to maximize Larry Fitzgerald, but he's not going to be around forever. Uh, so Arizona, Buffalo, Miami, uh, all candidates to move up. And so, even honestly, Pittsburgh's ahead of Jacksonville. It wouldn't shock me if they, if if Mason Rudolph were there at twenty eight. It would not shock me if they drafted the quarterback to replace Ben Roethlisberger. Well, then if I'm the Jaguars, then I call Pittsburgh and say, okay, are you going to cut Landry Jones? Yeah. And then that'd be a that would, that's how I think they're going to add a backup quarterback. Okay. Is a team is going to draft somebody and then cut their backup, and the Jaguars will get a guy on a very affordable contract. The flip side for the Jags at twenty nine is if there's a run on quarterbacks in the top 20, that's good for them too because that maybe means a Mike McGlinchey falls to him at 29. That means... That would be fantastic. That's, you know, if I other players. The Jaguars, Mike McGlinchey would be the guy that I would I would trade up for if I had to. If yeah. you were available, if you're, if you're at pick 23 and McGlinchey is there, I'm trading up to go get him because that's your left tackle slash right tackle of the future. You've got Cam on one side, McGlinchey on the other, Norwell... Linder, and then you figure out what you're gonna do at right guard. That's mm-hmm. a pretty damn good offensive line. I would, I would, if if McGlinchey's there, that's my first round pick. Take him. I cut Parnell. I say you're my right tackle. I mean, we had. If you're the Jaguars, you're saying we had a left, we had a rookie left tackle, and we made the playoffs. If you're Jaguars, then take McGlinchey. You're saying, hey, we feel pretty good about a rookie right tackle. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, it's. We've gotten a long answer here, but. The finality of it is if there's a lot of quarterbacks in a top 20, 
that prevents the Jaguars from probably taking one, but also helps them because the board really starts sliding toward them and they can stay put and get a good non-quarterback player. I've made my feelings known. Julio wants to know Lamar Jackson at 29. Uh, I, I've made my thoughts known that I wouldn't take him the first three rounds. I mean, chances are he's not going to be there, yeah. so it may be a moot point. Um, you know, it just feels like how how soon will he be ready to play? Awesome athlete. Awesome athlete. The best. Uh, I mean, other it's it's Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley in terms of athletes in this draft. I don't think anybody else. Calvin Ridley maybe a step below. I don't think anybody else is even close. Yeah, and it, the accuracy concerns I think are overrated. You, know, you played a little bit, just a little bit under center last year. Petrino did not stick with that after said he was gonna to get him experience with dropbacks and whatnot. That said, the shotgun is such a primary part of this offense that uh, of any offense. So um, I don't think he's gonna be there at twenty nine. Um, but I think you're trying to get a guy who can help you a little bit this year. Yeah, that to me is also, if, if you're drafting a guy to be your backup, to the way that Lamar plays, I think you'd have to really tell your offense to make him succeed, and that's sort of not the role of a backup. Rodell wants to know, do the Jaguars pick up Dante Fowler's fifth-year option? Well, they shouldn't, because it's, 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 so, it's, much money, it's so much money. It's so much money. You know, Do you try and flip him for a day-two draft pick? Um, and that t- any team that trades for him will be committed to him for the future and will want to sign him to an extension to get rid of that uh, cash or uh, cash for teens million dollars something like that. Yeah, um, a lot. You can't sign everybody. You can't pay everybody. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is your starting rush end. Yep. Um, it's a luxury to have both of them for three years, but. Uh, my guess is they'll ride it out this year and not pick up the option and then have them play this year and then maybe get a compensatory pick then. But if you were going to trade him, is his value going to get any higher? I mean, he had two sacks against New England in the AFC title game, eight sacks during the regular season, hasn't gotten arrested or had any problems lately, just had you know sort of his last court case figured out, going to be doing some community service, but that's about it. I mean, I call the Giants to say, what after round one would it take? Right. You know, and here's what we'd here's what we'd want. I think it's something you gotta explore, but also, you know, you're they're toggling they're toggling between going for it and planning for the future. Um, trade this trading Dante Fowler helps you for the future, yes. Does it help you for the present? Probably not. Yeah. Quentin wants to know, old friend Quentin, thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Uh, why did the Jaguars create extra cap space with the Telvin Smith contract. That part is just the business part. Is a couple of reasons. I don't think it's to sign sign a guy in the next two weeks because there's not a guy that could command that kind of money. I think what they're doing is they're just giving themselves some flexibility for rolling over for 19. But also, let's say they have a rash of injuries at a position during the season, like in September, October. You have some you have some cap space to acquire a guy. Uh, maybe we saw that last year with yeah, Darius, and they didn't really even have a need there. No, it kind uh, of felt like the was, run game or run defense was a problem. They went out and made a move. Yeah, so they were able to add that salary. So um, this is what teams tend to do: uh, is just move money around a little bit. And you know, Telvin Smith did not lose any money, but they convert it and they can stretch it out now. Does it worry you that the Jaguars are sort of now in the business of? doing cap gymnastics all the time or do you feel like they've got the handle on it they'll think it's no big deal they'll say well it's just part of doing business in the nfl you know it helps our cap but the next step is you're asking guys uh do this or else 
Right. You know, with with Puzzlesity and Mercedes Lewis a couple of years ago, they they had them take a pseudo pay cut, but added a year to their deal. Yeah. So it probably was a wash. They haven't gotten a business yet of having guys take a straight cut. Looking at the available free agents, just because you mentioned there's nobody who would really command that, it got me thinking who's who's even left. Uh, looking at the top ten, Indomitian Sue not a fit here. Jonathan Hankins not a fit here. Alan Hearns clearly not coming back. Uh, EJ Gaines I thought would have been an interesting guy for them if they not signed DJ Hayden. Bashad Breeland's an interesting story. He signed with Carolina and then failed the physical because he had a cut on his foot that became infected, which kind of odd. That's right, yeah. Um, talk, uh, talking to an agent at FSU Pro Day, I may get into this in Sunday's paper, Quinton Spain, is they tendered him at a non-drafted tender, mm-hmm. the Titans did. Yeah. He's like, he, it's funny how you, you, you talk to these agents and coaches. He, he goes, you guys. Yeah. Like, we're on the staff. He goes, he goes, you guys should sign him to play guard. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, what can they mad, blah, blah, blah. And uh, but he was a top earner in the performance-based pay, sort of a mauler. Um, maybe they got something up their sleeve there. Yeah, uh, like 26 years old. You know, maybe they have a – maybe there's an RFA out there. That's a Patriots mode yeah. is to start going after RFAs and, you know, construct a contract the team doesn't want to match. But, you know, part of me is when they freed up that money was, okay, they have something cooking maybe on a trade front. Uh but also, you know, then I looked at the NFLPA that day, and they started with what five million dollars of cap space. Now they're up to nineteen. So, I think they were uh, a little too close to the the ceiling as uh, then made them comfortable. Is there any price where you would consider making a run at this point at Terrell Pryor, Jordan Matthews, Mike Wallace, Eric Decker to bring in another veteran, or do you think they they sort of figured out what this is? Well, they, they are. They, I mean, they they are enamored with their receiver group. Yeah. which is maybe part of the problem. Uh, you know, now if you sign a guy, who gets pushed down? You're not you're not going to give up on Westbrook. They love Cole more than they love Brandon Linder probably, which is I never thought anybody could love <laughs> a player more than they love Brandon Linder. So, okay, who, who uh, you know, if they draft a guy, that puts Jadon Mickens in pro, uh, on the roster bubble because D.D. Westbrook may have to return punts. So yeah. I think if they would have made a move on a veteran receiver, uh, they may have, they probably would have done it last week. So receivers, with who they currently have, you're starting you're starting Keelan Cole on one outside, Dante Moncrief on the other? Uh, I probably, so I think probably start Lee and Moncrief. The, the question Lee, is, okay. we talked about this on radio today, okay. who's your slot receiver? Right, that's what I was going to say, Lee in the slot. Move slash, him inside. Yeah, when you um, receivers. I like well, D.D. Like Westbrook. as I think he's going to be the number two receiver. Yeah. Because I think he does things. I think he understands routes. He understands defense and angles and, you know, pockets in the zone coverage. I think he should get a shot to be a, a number two type. But, you know, they probably like their depth there. But um, they had good depth to start last year, too. Yeah. And you saw how quickly that goes away. It, you know. Everybody talks about the A-Rob ACL. Well, two days before that, D.D. Westbrook had sports hernia surgery. Yeah. So they were without basically their first receiver and their projected fourth receiver. Yeah. And the passing game uh, did suffer. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when I was talking to Keenan McCardell before the playoffs last year. He was just uh, very impressed with the route running of D.D. Westbrook. He mm-hmm. sort of singled him out as a guy who you can tell that he gets it only you know six, seven, eight games into his career. He understood the full route tree, yeah. which to me – kind of indicated what inside that building what they think he can be. And and that's going to be the challenge for how they use Dante Moncrief is I watched all his catches from this past year, all 26 of them. 
which didn't take that long. Um, oh. It was comeback routes and go routes, all from the left side. Um, do they ask him to do some things over the middle of the field, deep middle? Uh, you not see him run post routes. Um, definitely not a bubble screen guy. So do so do. If I'm Dante Moncrief and I'm betting on myself on a one-year deal, I'm saying bring it on. Yeah. I got to do some different things to get this multi-year deal. Rich wants to know, uh, or sort of a comment, remember Dave Caldwell with Julio Jones with the Jaguars trade up to get someone like Calvin Ridley? I don't well, think Calvin Ridley's the kind of player Julio Jones is. No, no. And I remember, it's a good point that Dave was in Atlanta's front office. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him about that deal when he came to the Jags. He said they, they traded – the next year's one because they felt they were going to be good, so it would have been a low one. Yeah. And they felt that this was an all-world guy and the receiver crop the next year wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But it turned out to be a great trade. Right. Uh, and those kind of trades, when you go from, what, 26 to 4, 25 to 6, whatever it is, those are pretty rare in this league. The Jets, when they traded up to Sanchez, I don't think they moved up that far, but they moved up uh, maybe double-digit picks couple of questions about Marcel Darius uh one is he pretty much gone after next year or do the Jaguars try to uh reconstruct Jackson and Darius's contracts uh yeah we're a long way from that it's it's easy for people to say we'll cut this guy this guy this guy and this guy and you save a bunch of money but you also have to think about okay who are the replacements uh there's only so many draft picks I mean, I would I, I would be surprised if Darius and Malik are both traded or excuse me both cut after the year. I think you keep one. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know Avery Jones, he's at four plus. Yeah. So what do you do with him? So they have a lot of decisions to make along that defensive line. But the Jaguars are hoping they're making those decisions after another successful season. Question about uh, Anthony Miller: Would they draft him to play the slot? I mean, that's certainly an option. You know, possibly rounds three, four, or five. Uh, guy out of Memphis. Uh, I think he's a track guy, so a ton of speed. But from what I remember, had some fumbling problems, so you sort of wonder, you know, uh, does he have the hands and the ability? But, I mean, he certainly would be an interesting guy. If Let's go to my it. draft file. Oh, wait, it's gone. Gone. See you later. 300 pages worth of research. Thanks, Tom. Before we get to any more questions, uh, I wanted to play a little game. Super Bowl 53 odds out today, the updated ones. Jaguars, uh, 22 to 1. I'm just going to... Just gonna just gonna list a couple for you. Tell me if you think they're too high or too low. I'm gonna dip into the TU Petty Cash Fund on the way out door. We're going to Vegas, all on twenty-two to one, baby. Ooh, that's the tenth best odds. So here's a team that I thought was interesting, tied for the sixth best odds next year to win the Super Bowl. The San Francisco 49ers at fourteen to one. Yeah, you, you, re- Jimmy Garoppolo's agent setting these odds. Huh. Well, re- I'll read them all for read you. Read the top ten, and this is a very it shows you how the NFC is viewed as just being totally superior. Yeah. Uh, New England, 5-1. to one. Philadelphia, 8.5-1, to one, slash 17-2. Minnesota, 9-1. to one. Steelers, 12-1. to one. Packers, 14-1. to one. 49ers, 14-1. to one. Rams, 14-1. to one. Saints, 18-1. to one. Falcons, 20-1. to one. And then Jaguars, Houston, Oakland, 22-1. to one. Um, A lot. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know, like, Houston, your cut your 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 quarterback's coming off an ACL, hasn't played a lot anyways. That's just people saying Deshaun Watson looked yeah, awesome. Yeah, and like JJ Watt's going to come back as an indestructible player and Honey Badger, think, et cetera. I think I think Watt, is, the days of Watt being an indestructible player slash fifteen sack guy, I think are over. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, probably so. Yeah, he's twenty nine, turned twenty nine today. Um, Happy birthday! Let me see the odds one more time there. Um, 
New England. I would make I would make the Patriots the favorite. I'd make Minnesota the favorite because I, I Patriots don't have a left tackle right now. Yeah, they don't have some other pieces. You know, Gronk. Who knows what kind of health he's going to be in? And if he's even focused, I mean. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia. I mean, they have had to cut a lot of guys, but they signed some veterans. It's so tough to repeat, yeah. though. It's sort of the thing. I, with them. I would make Minnesota the Super Bowl favorite because I like Kirk Cousins, and they didn't have to get rid of anybody to sign Cousins. Uh, but Packers, the Niners thing shocks me. Uh, it's just it's flavor I mean, of the week. Uh, yeah. I thought the Jaguars would be in a similar position. I thought they would be over audited to mm-hmm. make up a term. Uh, Over audit, but that's like a genism. What are you inferring? <laughs> <laughs> Why must I be the center of a conversation? <laughs> um, we love you, Gene. Jaguars twenty-two to one. Uh, I would not have put Houston even with them. It's the Jaguars division until it isn't. Yeah. But it just shows you the AFC West is just totally terrible. I mean, Oakland, Oakland. is like the bottom on it. Oakland's a favorite. Um, that's basically just saying, but if they win the division. They're in the playoffs, and then it's sort of yeah. you know, a toss-up. Yeah, um, they were horrible last year. I know you've got John Gruden coming in, but well, man. I mean they're upgrading the head coaching, definitely a head coach. Oh. Uh, oh. But you look at Kansas City. I mean, everybody talks about the Jaguars' first place schedule. Well, it's only really it's only two games that they do a crossover. One's Kansas City at Kansas City. That game, if it's played early or in the middle of the season, I think whenever that could be the Jaguars' benefit because that's their crossover game, and the Chiefs are clearly in a reboot right now. That kind of takes me to the next topic I wanted to cover, which was NFL owners meetings next week. All 32 NFL head coaches we will have be available. We have a meeting in three minutes. Three minutes. All right, we'll run through real quick. What's one team that you would like to see, one coach you'd like to talk to next week uh, outside of you know, the Jags? I always am interested in Sean Payton from New Orleans because mm-hmm. he has a Doug Marone connection, so I always usually try to ask him something. Um, I always like seeing Sean McVay. My guy. Uh, but also, uh, is Frank Reich with the Colts? Okay, what's that transition been like? What's their strategy with all these picks? But in terms of just listening to coaches talk about football, it's Peyton. It's Dan Quinn. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Arians was great, uh, but he retired. Um, you know, Andy Reid's always pretty funny. That's my guy. So, it be interesting to see. Yeah. The team that made the playoffs last season had a ton of expectations, and now you're turning to Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback who's Never really played. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they went out and got Sammy Watkins. They still have Watkins. You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Tyreek Hill. You still have Kareem Hunt. An offense that's got a ton of weapons, but you know it could sort of be rendered moot if Pat Mahomes is not ready. Mm-hmm. And a new offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy because Matt, yeah, Matt Nagy went, went to the went Bears. To so, so, yeah, there's you know a lot of coach. You know, when every coach talks, you just sort of bounce around and ask about guys they've signed. So it's always a pretty beneficial hour, and you're just like, okay, you go there, you go here, I'll go there. So... It uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty pretty enjoyable time. This is the first time they're doing all thirty-two at one hour since I've been covering them. Usually it's one hour on Tuesday, one hour on Wednesday. AFC NFC. Yeah, but last year, most a lot of the NFC coaches were scheduled to do Wednesday. End up doing them throughout Tuesday because they want to get out of town. Hmm. So they condensed it. A couple of us sort of talked to the league and said, "Hey, how about an hour right back right after one hour?" That fell on moot all in deaf ears but we'll be in Orlando next week well thanks so much for watching and listening sending in questions uh, if you miss anything you can listen to it on the Jaguars podcast at the time Gene is putting together we'll have a name for it sometime soon maybe even today after this meeting but we've got to run thanks again for watching thanks for listening have a good one
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.